don't know about you, but I am hungry to hear more of the Lord. I love the testimonies of the Friday outreach because um, I'm not going to tell my testimony today, but for those of you all that don't, who doesn't know me? Let me see your hands. I forgive you. I forgive you. (laughs) Uh, um, I'm not going to share my testimony today. I did bring a glimpse of grace with me, uh, but I spent five years in a federal prison. So you have an ex-con speaking with you today. And uh, I don't know about you, but there's a, probably a lot of X's in the house. X this, X that, because Jesus puts all that stuff in the past, right? Um, but I, I loved, believe it or not, encountering the Holy Spirit while I was in, incarcerated because I really encountered the kingdom. I'd encountered the church before I went to prison. And by the way, I was in prison before I went to prison. And uh, only God can set you free from being in prison while you're in prison because you were in prison before you went to prison. So... <laughs> Go figure. Um, But when I came out of prison, I really thought, oh my goodness, God's really allowed me to stay incarcerated for five years because I was so behind in my spiritual growth that I, I needed to catch up. So when I got out of prison, all I've been doing is, God, where are you doing this stuff? Can I tell you, on Friday night on those outreaches, they're doing this stuff. And we don't have to wait till Friday outreach. You need to be doing your stuff where you work on the soccer field in the shopping malls. Um, I mean, because y- you, you have the kingdom within you and wherever you are, you get to set the atmosphere. And you get to be, I mean, if I can establish <laughs> the kingdom of God when I'm in a, in a prison cell behind cinder block walls, razor wire and black tarpaulins around a fence, I'll tell you, you can do it at home. And, and to do that, God is showing us who we are. God's empowering us to represent him everywhere we go because I'll tell you, his kingdom is coming on earth like never before. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part. Any part he has for me, I just want to be available. I want to be prepared and equipped, and I know you do too. So this morning, um, what I want to do is I'm going to kind of back into my message, and I've got some very technical graphics, and you're going to laugh at that in a minute. Um, but first, I want to tell you where we're going. It's going to be like a very short journey. Um, you know, I really, uh, all I can do this morning is try to take you on the journey that the Lord has been taking me on in, in, this, in this season. So I've got four scriptures that I just want to reference to where I think the Lord is going. It's kind of like a vacation. How, how many of you all have looked at the map on, you know, and you see Destin, Florida, and you're going, that's where we're going, and we pick out the hotel, and we pick out the umbrella, and we want that place right in front of the, you know, that restaurant, because that's all perfect, but you've got a few steps to get there, right? So what I want to do in, in the three hours that I have this morning, <laughs> Tracy's not here, um, is I want to take us on a quick journey, but first let me tell you where we're going, okay? We're going um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We're going to this place. Trust, I could stop there for three hours. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And then in the Passion Translation, I just want to read that briefly because it's short. It won't take long. Trust in the Lord completely and not your own opinions, but with 
all your heart. Rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in all the decisions that you make. I'll tell you, God is doing something in your everyday circumstances right now in this season to get you to this place. The three other scriptures I just want to make reference to are Hebrews 6.19. That scripture talks about that in this hope, if you read before and after, it's literally talking about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've been sorely disappointed in my past because my hope was in something other than the Lord. Right before I, um, <laughs> right during the time when I got sentenced, um, I had a social connection with my ex-fiance with, with actually President Bush, Bush Sr. And to this day, I've got a letter written by President Bush on Camp David letterhead promising to pardon me. Can I tell you, at that point in time, even though I was born again, I wasn't trusting in the Lord, I was trusting in man. And I was trusting in the most powerful man on the planet politically. Can I tell you, President Bush did not pardon me and I was sorely disappointed. When you're leaning and trusting in the wrong thing, I'll tell you, it will, it will produce pain and disappointment. And I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is cleaning up disappointment from our past. Because we have got to be in a place where we can trust in the Lord with our whole heart. I love that. And then the third scripture I just want to mention is uh, Ephesians 3.17. I love this. Oh my gosh, if we really did have three hours, I'd go to town. That, scri that scripture is when Paul uh, is praying yeah, for the, the church in Ephesus, which is, that's, that's interesting in itself, because this was one of the most demonic um, cultures and cities of that day. This is where they, they worshipped um, the goddess Diane, and they... They, uh, the queen of heaven, they had temple prostitutes and, and it was the most corrupt city anywhere. And this is how Paul encouraged the, the church to pray. That you would know the, the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of God. That the spirit of revelation would rest upon you. And that your heart would be, here we go, rooted and grounded in love. <laughs> he didn't even mention the prostitutes. Oh my gosh, what was he thinking? He didn't even focus on evil and what the devil was doing. He was focusing on what Jesus had done for them. He said, get connected with that and then change your world. And that's the journey we're on. And I'll, I will say this, again, I'm painting the picture of where we're going. The Holy Spirit is going to deal with anything that your heart is rooted and grounded in other than love. Because it's not supposed to be that way. Your, your heart is created. You know, I know Danny Silk has got amazing teachings out there right now, like keep your love on. And, and there's other prophetic and amazing teacher and, and strong voices about love. But can I tell you, the most critical way that you can walk in love is to encounter love. First Corinthians 13 is not a commandment, it's a promise. And that when you encounter the promise of God's love for you, you will become what you behold, and then you will be, and you won't have to do. It's deep today. Because your do is different than your who. You've got to be careful with that. And the fourth scripture I want to just reference before I, I show you the steps of this journey is Hebrews 4.11, because many times we, uh, we just mess this up. 
And Hebrews 4.11 talks about that the word of God sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides the, it says it divides the spirit and the soul, the soul and the spirit. And many times in our mind, this is what we think. We think, oh my gosh, the spirit and soul is kind of all smushed together. And the word has to come and we have to push away our soul and we have to live in the spirit. Can I tell you, that's not what that says in the Greek. What this says is that I didn't, do a, <laughs> I didn't do a PowerPoint in this. Wait till you see my PowerPoints. I'm really excited about it. Um, but what this verse is actually saying is that you've got some things in your soul that aren't your soul, and I need to remove those with the word. And you've got some things touching and impacting your spirit, and I need to remove those. So it's literally taking away from the soul what's not the soul. It's not taking away the soul from the spirit. Can I tell you, the soul is not bad. Your emotions are not bad. Your emotions are not evil. Because this is what we've done many times, but the church is so maturing in this area. We've laid an amazing foundation over about the last 10 to 12 years of, how many of you all have read any of the amazing books on renewing your mind? Bill Johnson's, for example. Joyce Meyer, for example. Many, many others. We want to renew our mind on the word. We've got plenty of teachings and understandings of we want to align our will with God's will, right? We want to do what God wants us to do. Anybody for that? The soul is the mind, will, and the emotions. Oh, my goodness, what do we do with the emotions? We demonize them. Guys, come on, you've got them too. It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. So why do I say that? Because God, in this hour, is making us whole beings. And he's giving us understanding that, that we can be sanctified in our emotions, and emotions haven't been demonized. And, and so Hebrews tells us that the Holy Spirit is dividing out anything that's not in our soul. Let me tell you, if you have an emotional pattern of fear, he's going to deal with that. That's not part of your soul. Your soul is to be rooted and grounded in love and faith. If you have an emotional and even a a pattern, a communication pattern of dishonoring, even from a cheeky way, even from a sarcastic way, and and you clip people at the knees with your words. Now, you might have just given a generous offering today. You might, um, you might be kind to your neighbors. You might read the word uh, every morning, but I, I'll tell you, if, you have any, if your heart is rooted and grounded in anything other than love, the Holy Spirit is going to go after that. I think I'm feeling something very biblical in the room. <laughs> Conviction is amazing. It's really good. It gets our attention so that we can get out of what we're in and get into God. So what I want to do this morning is I want to show you a couple of practical steps of how I think the Holy Spirit is getting us to Proverbs 3 where we can trust him with all of our heart. How many of y'all know, specifically know some areas you've got difficulty trusting the Lord in? Me? Okay, a couple of y'all don't. Y'all can preach next week. If I could have that first slide, if we've got it available, we'll see. Okay, this is major technology right here. So some of, some of the guys and gals from the school and from the women's retreat, I usually travel with a whiteboard. It's hard for me to teach or preach without a whiteboard, so I, 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 I just, anyway, did it this way today. So this is going to be my message, and actually, um, 
I didn't know I was going to even be preaching when the Lord gave me this because first he, he let me see the word and he let the word deal with my heart. And so I'm on the, I'm not, I'm not preaching today because I've arrived. I'm preaching today because I'm oneth, the journeyeth. <clears throat> so the first picture in my mind's eye that the Lord gave me was, was here's my, here's my notes for today. So I'm seeing what y'all are seeing. Uh, and I do have a couple things because I do get to go three hours, right, Michael? Uh, anyway, so let me get to the point. So really when I saw this, that, that was just the first, the first picture in my mind's eye. I had no idea what he was uh, going to show me. And then go to the next screen. And then the next thing in my, in my mind's eye, I, I started seeing the wind push on this little sailboat out to deeper waters. And at the same time, I saw this anchor go right next to the land. And I, I keep asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing? And then he goes to the next screen. And I see the next anchor appear in my, in my mind's eye, in my, just in a vision. And all of a sudden, this anchor, you can see, has tons of excess rope. And it's, it's got uh, a lot of leadway, so to speak. And un- underneath it, I saw that it was our, your calling. It was God's promises that he's spoken to your heart in prophetic words and in prayer. It was your desires. It was your potential. You know, I, was, <laughs> I drive by a, a cemetery every day uh, when I go to my post office. And, and I know you've probably heard this before, but the Lord spoke it to me personally just the other day. And he, he kind of had a sad heart when he said it. He said, Mary, I can't even tell you how many songs are in those graves that never made it. I can't tell you how many books never got written. I can't tell you. I mean, and I was just like, wow. I don't know. It kind of stirred me to not do more with God, but be more with God. The more I'm with God, the more I can, I can get my heart healed and, and get in alignment and stay in God's presence, the more I'm going to just be who God's created me to be. And let me tell you, it's been a journey, you guys. How many of you know by the time you end up in prison, you're probably not the person God had created? And so God's been restoring. I, I like to say it this way. I was a functioning Humpty Dumpty. I mean, I, I had businesses in Highland Park. I lived in Highland Park. I had seven or eight businesses. I, you know, had the tiger by the tail. It, it looks like I had everything that the world had to offer, but I was crumbling on the inside. God did not send me to prison, but in his unique creativity, he used it to begin my healing and deliverance process. In fact, he even spoke audibly to a man I never met in Austin, Texas, who drove three and a half hours to the prison, he miraculously came in. He prayed for me. I got delivered of demons, filled with the Holy Spirit. And how many of you know that'll give you a new day? So that's how this whole gig began. It started with him. It's going to end with him. Can I tell you, God's always the initiator. Because you, you and I were both dead in our sins and trespasses, and God made the first move. He's still making the first move. So in my mind, I see this, and then I, but I see this other anchor that's near the, the land, uh, near this solid thing. And then uh, I, go to the next, I go to the next picture, and all of a sudden I see that that anchor is limitations. And I hope I can do this with my, with my words, but I saw that the limitations of that one anchor were holding me, was holding this boat close to the land when the wind was calling me to the depths, but I couldn't get there because something was holding me back. 
And it wasn't that I didn't have potential. Boy, I'm passionate about this. Can you hear this? This is, I can, I just, I just heard it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think because I'm, I'm living this. <laughs> I know that God's dealing with my limitations because I've got untapped potential that I don't want to take to the grave. And I've got a calling and I've got promises and so do you. But I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives so that we can have a heart that fully trusts in the Lord, that's free of disappointments, free of any limitations, so that we can go out into the deep where we belong. And so, um, and, and, and I'll tell you that uh, God began to reveal some of, these, some, of these, some of these limitations. So let's go to the next screen. And, and one of the first things that I saw was our self-image. Can I tell you, it's when we do not see ourselves the way God sees us in any capacity, we are limiting how far we can go with the Lord. Here's my, here's my extensive counseling ministry. Are you ready? When you don't see yourself the way God sees you, stop it. (laughs) That'll be $5. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) So all of us, every single one of us, can I tell you, and I understand the journey. I'm encouraging you to resist what you've been embracing when it's been a distorted self-image today. It's time, instead of putting your arms around that thing and going, well, I know I'll never be worth it. I mean, can I tell you, I understand there is a process and a pressure of pushing off. For me, it was 2249007. That's my prison number. I don't even know my passport number, but I know my prison number. But can I tell you, it's not on me anymore. It's off me. But that took some effort. It was one thing to, to kind of get a sense of healing when I was in a prison of a thousand inmates and everyone wore the same type of clothes and everyone was treated like an inmate and everyone at, at one time or another was shackled and ch- all that stuff. So I got a degree. But the minute I got out of prison and I didn't have the clothing of a prisoner, I still had a prisoner on the inside. But I'll tell you, it's, she's not there anymore because I had to begin to resist the labels and my entire culture was telling me who I was and God was telling me I wasn't. So I don't know what your culture's telling you. I don't know what your mom and dad told you. I don't know what your children are telling you. I don't know what your environment and work is telling you, but I'm telling you that God tells you, you are chosen, you are anointed, you've got a part to play in this end time story, and it's time to rise up. It's time to embrace the word of the Lord. You might be in your 80s and you might be eight. It doesn't matter. It's time to remember that you are his child. Chosen. Oh my goodness, that's so powerful. And so anything that where you are embracing a negative self-image where you don't feel significant, uh (laughs) uh-oh, where you don't feel valuable, Can I tell you, you cannot get your value from just because you do something. I mean, there's there's many times where God doesn't have me teaching or preaching. I'm also in the marketplace and it doesn't, can I tell you, it doesn't matter. I've I'm not totally arrived, but I have gotten to the place of revelation that I I say this and I mean it, and he tested me on it this year. How many of you know that's good? (laughs) 
When he tests you, it's to prove to yourself that you're solid in what you know. Test isn't always a test for sinfulness. Test can also be a test for righteousness. So, uh, I used to say this all the time. I would say, and this was when I was, um, well, I've, I've been preaching and traveling ever since I've been out of prison. But uh, I would say this. I'd say, if God took the microphone from me and, and said, Mary, see that, uh, that corner gas station kind of convenience store? I want you to go minister. I mean, I want you to go manage that. Can I tell you, my, my ministry doesn't change. So, you will always have receipts when you get gas. The bathrooms will be clean. My clerks will be kind. They'll be almost as trained as Starbucks. They're always nice, even at five in the morning. How do y'all do that, Jason? I don't know. So, I mean, why? Because I'm going to advance the kingdom from that, from that place. Right now, every once in a while, God gives me a microphone and sends me here and sends me there. But I'll tell you, I've got the same call of God on my life when I'm shopping at the shopping center or when I'm interacting with my neighbors or whatever. <sighs> Somebody needs to hear that today. And so, so we've got to make sure that we get our significance and our value from the Lord. And then understand that kingdom, uh, that kingdom mindset no matter where we go. And let me, let me just go through these. Another limitation is how you see God. Can I tell you, you're, <laughs> oh my goodness, you're not going to trust someone you don't know. In any area that you don't trust God, it's because you don't know him in that area. So I will prophesy, encourage you, edify you in this moment and tell you, I will guarantee you that the Holy Spirit has got his finger on some area where you're not trusting him and you're trying to trust and he's trying to show you who he is. Look for him. What aspect of his nature and character is he trying to get so solid in your heart that you've just trust because you've seen him and you know him? Because you're going to trust in someone you know. Let me give you an example. This is, I, I just thought of this during worship. Is, uh, at one point in time, I had to get shackled and chained, and, and I got taken into an inner prison, and I had to wear an orange jumpsuit, and I see a few people in orange, that's fine, but orange is not my color. Um, they gave me two kind of plastic uh, shoes that were for the left feet. Anyway, it was, it was some of my darkest days, I'll put it that way. And uh, when I got taken into this inner prison, I had no long, how long I was going to be there. They were re-sentencing me. Long story. Read the book. And uh, it's very, very dark. I call it an inner prison. And uh, <laughs> so here I am dragging this stained, you can read into that what you want, mattress down this hall with this orange jumpsuit on into this cell, which I have no idea how long I was going to be there. And everyone looked like an animal to me. I just, uh, it was... I I had no words. And so after I was there a couple of days, and when you got let out of your cell, you could, you could kind of have chow was in the, in the hallway. How'd you like my prison language? Chow. Anyway. Um, (laughs) And so I come to find out when I talked to one or two of the, the women, they'd been there for years. And so I had no idea what I was looking at. So long story, very short, I went and got re-sentenced and I came back and then I'm waiting. And after on a Monday morning, 10 days after I'd been there, at 4 o'clock in the morning, the guards came, rat- literally rattled my cage <laughs> in more ways than one, and said, Forsyth, you're pulling chain. 
which means we're, we're taking you somewhere, which I, you never knew where you were going. And so I, <laughs> I woke up kind of, and, you know, they, they shackled me and chained me and put me in, the, in a marshal's car and um, took me back to the original prison where I'd come out of. And the guard who was checking me in going, she knew me, she said, Forsyth, what are you doing back? I'm like, uh, you're asking me, you know? And that was a Monday morning. My paperwork was generated on a Sunday. What government agencies do you know that work on Sundays? Does anybody know the story of Corrie Ten Boom? Corrie Ten Boom was an elderly woman that was in World War II. She was in Ravensbrück. Her family helped the Jews. And everyone her age was put to death a week after she was miraculously released from prison. So I was literally miraculously released from prison. And I'll tell you, I prayed this way before I went to prison, before I was in that inner prison. Oh, God, get me out of here. God, God, let that appeal go through God. I mean, that was my mantra. Can I tell you something? When I got back after those 10 days and I saw in the book of Revelation that it said, literally, the Lord gave me this scripture. It said, um, <laughs> the enemy's going to test you and tempt you and put many of you in prison for 10 days. But everyone else, I don't understand, was, had been there for years. So after I realized it was the hand of the Lord, I prayed this way, God, please do not open the door of this prison one day before your time. So I have a trust for the father. In fact, um, I tease, I like to say, I really know God as father time. He is the father of my time. So I have a rest and a peace, even when people try to push me. Mary, don't you think you should do this? God should be doing this in your ministry. And don't get me wrong, there are times to press in. But when you know God in an area, you kind of chill. And so in any area where you've not really chilled and you can't take a rest, don't get me wrong, there are times to seek God. There's a balance in all that. But in your seeking, if you know him, it sounds a lot different than if you're seeking him and don't know him. Does that make sense? So, so a limitation is going to be any area where we don't have the correct image of God. There's, um, there's soul ties. There's all kinds of things. Let's go to the next screen. Let me, let me jump through this. I'll do this. I won't teach so much. I'll just jump in and do it a little bit prophetically. So one of the things that the Lord showed me next was he was like, Mary, he goes, so many times things that you feel like are solid are really false, ref it's a place of false refuge. Oh my goodness, I wish I had the time today. Um, I was gonna teach you guys on refuges, but let me just say it real quickly and say this. There's two things that all of us have in common about a refuge. And by the way, when you have false refuge, you, your boat is not going out to the deep. Can you see that? The Holy Spirit is dealing with anything that we have false refuge. He will let you eat bluebell ice cream for three months. But then we got to find something else, girls, guys, <laughs> whatever it is. And can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with God giving you something to give you some comfort as long as you're getting his comfort through that thing. It's a fine line. I mean, I have prophesied. I'll never forget. I was in Amarillo and a woman, a, a young girl came up to me and the Lord just gave me a word of knowledge. And she was oh, tormented because she couldn't stop eating bluebell ice cream. And she didn't tell me this. I had a word of knowledge. And I said, honey, enjoy the cookie dough. And that was her flavor. 
And she goes, and she stopped crying. I said, God's trying to actually comfort you and you think that you're in sin and he's just saying, if you'll just receive a little comfort, then you won't want it anymore. You can chew on that at lunch. (laughs) So two things about a refuge that every one of us under the sound of my voice have in common. Number one, everyone needs a refuge. And number two, everyone has a refuge. And a refuge is something providing shelter. It's a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. How do you figure out what your refuges are? Real quick, I'll, sh- I'll just tell you, it's simple. Where do you go when you're stressed? And what do you do when you're under pressure? Do, 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 do. Why is this important? Because I'm telling you, a place of false refuge will limit your ability to go as far with God as what you need to. It will, it will decrease your intimacy with God. It will, it will decrease the, your ability to uh, connect with his presence. And I'll tell you, some of our deepest and most painful disappointments come from a place of false refuge. Aren't you glad you came to church today? So let me read this prophetic word the Lord gave me. The Holy Spirit is revealing if we have a wrong refuge in our lives. He's allowing circumstances, pressure, relationships, whatever is needed to awaken us that we are trying to take refuge in a faulty fortress. He reveals, he realigns, and then he releases us to new levels in the spirit, but he won't release us if we are taking refuge in the wrong refuge because we must have real safety and security for the next level. Can I tell you something, my friends? It is on the heart of God to promote you. It is on the heart of God to release you. It is on God's mind, his will, his emotions. He's passionate to help you get to that next place. But I'll tell you, in that releasing, there's some letting go. There's a turning from things that have been a false place of refuge because he is the the shelter from the storm and him only. And we have got to have such an understanding and a guidance of the Holy Spirit in this area to know what and whom to turn from and how to embrace him in a deeper way in this hour. Is that not true? And so I want to encourage you, you know, because the right refuge produces intimacy, peace, power, hope, and dreams. Remember, I told you we were going somewhere. And one of the last slides, and I'll land the plane. Really, what we've thought was solid in our lives at times. I thought the president was solid. I thought other things were solid. You know, I, I had built my life on my, excuse me, on my education, on my finances. And it's not that you can't have those things, but if they're your security without God, How many of you know that your life's out of order? And so those are false refuges. And in fact, that's actually sand. Have you ever found yourself thinking that something is solid as a rock and it's slippery like sand? And the weird thing, excuse me, the weird thing about the kingdom is when we go into the depths, our feet don't hit the ground, don't touch the sand, and that's actually the rock. 
I'll let that land. So my question for you today is, has the Holy Spirit been trying to awaken you to any false refuges that you have? Has the Holy Spirit been showing you any limitation? You might not have understood that it was a limitation. I wanted to put that language on it today because sometimes we think God's holding back when we've got to let go. I believe that many of us, under the sound of my voice, have been swinging on a trapeze and holding on tight, going, God, where's the next level? Where's the next thing? And he's saying, let go, because that other bar is already in motion. But how many of you know, you got to let go to hang on. And for that second, you're literally suspended in air, and that's the depths of God's heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lead not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what's going to happen? He'll direct your paths. Many of us are looking for his direction. He's trying to get your trust factor increased, and then direction will come. If he released direction right now to some of us whose heart is not fully trusting him, it will actually take us in the wrong direction because we won't interpret what he's saying clearly. If you will, close your eyes for just a moment. Father, I ask that today, just by the power of your spirit, that you would reveal to each and every heart, those of us that are here those of us that are watching online, those of us that will watch this at a later time. Father, we want to know where we have taken up false refuge. And then we want to know, Lord, where we have limitations. Father, I pray that you would show us in any area where we have a distorted self-image. Father, I pray that you would show us in any way where we have a distorted image of who you are. Because Lord, I declare and I proclaim that this is a season of growth in the area of trust and abiding. Father, I declare that broken broken images of, of how we see ourselves and distorted images of how we see you are coming down in the church. And clarity of vision of who we are in you and who you are to us is being clarified in our hearts, our minds, and our emotions, and in our everyday life. And then, Father, today, we choose to resist and remove ourselves from a place of refuge that has been false. And we come to you knowing that you're a strong tower for us. And, Lord, the last thing I want to pray, Father, I pray for healing right now of disappointment. Father, I command the root of even long-seated disappointments, things that happened 10 years ago, things that happened 20 years ago. Father, I command that root system to come out. I command that emotional pattern that's entrapped negative, painful emotions to stop and be removed from our hearts in Jesus' name. And Father, even if it was something that was this past week where we didn't get the job or the promotion or we didn't get a position that we wanted, Father, whatever it is, Father, I pray that hope would supersede and overtake disappointment today because, Lord, you've called us to anchor our hearts in hope. And Father, that's who we are.
And we say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening today. We're going to have a prayer team up here today. We're going to uh, start some, just some ministry music. And this is what I want to encourage you to do this week. Listen for what the Holy Spirit says. You get a message like this. You, you might have heard something today. Something might have um, ignited in your heart. But I'm pretty sure there's something that he wants to take you out of so that he can send you into deeper waters of your purpose and calling. Aren't you hungry for that? All right. God bless you.